Ten minute. Ten, uh, <laughs> what's his name? Timothy. Timothy, you're saying we're late? Come on, man. This is a free product right here, and you're saying we're late? Come on, dude. Timothy, what the crap are you doing today anyways, man? What's up, YouTube? He starts with an exhortation of poor Timothy Shule. Three of Seven Project is live right now. Chili's Time Traveling Adventures. So for all you guys that are out there on YouTube or listening on audio, what's up, YouTube? All of you guys out there that you're all thinking about Bitcoin and Robert Kennedy and psychedelics and UFOs, <laughs> Chili's figured out how to travel through time. And <laughs> so, you know, all the crap you, you've been concerned with, it, it don't amount to a hill of beans because Chili's getting ready to drop the bomb. When when did you just get back from? Well, do you look, I told you I'm not going to talk about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, well, you don't have to talk about it. I'm just telling the people that you have figured out how to travel through time. And, and I understand you, you, you're not necessarily going to release this publicly because, you know, you, it's like it's like when um, Einstein came up with the formula for the atomic bomb, you know. Oppenheimer. Well, look, I don't think you're, I, I don't think you're taking me serious. I'm taking you dead serious. I've told you numerous times in the past. I've tried to tell both of y'all. I have the ability to access information that. I at least haven't seen anybody else possess the ability. Maybe they do. I wouldn't be arrogant enough to say that I'm the only one. I just haven't seen it. So I have the ability to obtain inf information through means that, as far as I know, other people don't have. I've told you that for years. Yeah, I know. You're always right, too. And um, That's actually why we um, brought you on the team here at 3-7 Project. Well, and... You, uh, you, you know... <laughs> It's not really for any of the other things you do. It's for that. Well, yeah, and you know, there's a there's an infinite number of timelines out there, right? Mm -hmm. That's all I'll say. Parallel? Are yeah. they paralleling each other essentially? Well, paralleling is uh, is basically a three dimensional. Using that term is is used in the confines of a three-dimensional understanding of the universe when it's far greater than that so yeah you know he just got back from the 80s because that's why he's got that goatee <laughs> i think it's where he got that hat too yeah. so obviously he's figured out how to bring items with him mm -hmm. through time yeah time travel is possible I'll let you guys in on a little inside information that chili shared with us this morning on Team PT, apparently we actually switched timelines in 2012. December 21st, 2012, yes. We, uh, that was a marked shift in the uh, timeline that we are on. Yeah. We jumped over to a different timeline? Well, essentially, yeah. I mean, trying to put it in human terms, I guess it's the only way you can describe it. But... That's a little inside information that you guys get 
live here on the 307 podcast. If you've been confused about what's been going on, it's likely due to the fact that we jumped into a different timeline in December of 2012. Also, the magnetic uh, field is about to, uh, the poles are about to flip, by the way. For real? Yeah. Does that have anything to do with time or like what's... Well, essentially our understanding of time, it sure does. But, but time itself doesn't actually exist, which is a critical thing in understanding how there could possibly be multiple quote-unquote timelines going on at once. And how you could technically travel through time because time doesn't exist. But if you think about it, our minds already exist in a three-dimensional plane of time, the past, present, future, right? Yeah. And you can, you can cross dimensions... So I, I've I've thought about this for hours upon end. Really, in my in my own personal, you know, thoughts that I have, I do a lot of thinking, and I spend eight hours a day thinking. Yeah, usually, yeah, at I, least. I, I mean, proper take. Yeah, me too. I'm right around there too, and I, I've never been able to get to the bottom of it, you know, because I'm in complete agreement with you. Time, it it, it doesn't. It doesn't, it's not even a thing. And I've never been able to get to the bottom of it, though, because there is something happening where, like, this this is all just flying by at this high rate of speed, right? And we're moving through this spectrum. But everything that's that's flying by, it's still existing somewhere. And everything that's coming is already existing. So, yeah, I can't get to the bottom of it, though. I mean, in my mind's eye, I can actually picture it all. But I don't know what it means. Well, we are already infinite uh, beings. that we, But we view ourselves as... Eternal. Right. Eternal beings. But we view ourselves as... Uh, being constrained by time. Yeah. We're not. Man. But we have created measurements of time, like hours, days, minutes, seconds, and Isn't all that. Isn't that funny? But go ahead and divide a minute down, right? Oh, 60 seconds. We'll divide a second down. Oh, you know, tenths of a second, hundreds of a second, milliseconds, all that. Keep dividing it down. Where is ground zero of time? Exactly. Go to the go to the end of it. Carry that to fruition. Keep dividing until you get down to no time. You can't do it. No, you can't do it. <laughs> Think about that. And so that's why you listen to the three seven podcast. It'll open your mind to what's really happening. All right. What's up? Look at Blake. This is way <laughs> over. Justin, <laughs> Justin Sheely said time is an illusion. Well, yeah. I mean, so, you're getting close, Justin. When you, you know, you don't even really have to eat on a time schedule. <laughs> you can go three hours if you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Justin, I told, I told Blake about your eating habits on our bicycle ride. Um, you got to eat more. And Justin, don't 
bring any cliff bars along <laughs> on our ride this weekend. All right? Just leave the cliff bars at home. <laughs> Justin ate a cliff bar. Me and Justin Sheely did a long bike ride, mountain bike ride, earlier this past week. And he ate a cliff bar, you know, about, we had about three hours left to go. And son, it put him, it put him down. Hurt son. him? It, it, it hurt what him. What did it yeah. do to him? Well, I, th- I think it made him have to take a crap, but then he, he just couldn't, he, he couldn't take a crap for some reason, but he had to take a crap. He got weak stomach muscles? I guess so, man. Couldn't you push a turd out. Got a, got a, Justin got that weak pelvic floor. Can't push, push it. <laughs> from being on that bicycle too That's much. That's what I'm man. saying, man. You know, you sit on your sit bones, and everything just atrophies, man. Yeah. Dang. We had a. I know you got uh, things you need to do here, but we had a good question here. I'm going to ask. Okay, you. Okay, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Do you want to do any kind of? housekeeping we've stuff. started slow no here. go ahead i mean we're just getting warmed up i you know i'm glad we have a good question today because i, yeah. I, I do have some things to talk about but you know I, i'm kind of torn on what we should talk about on today's podcast but we got stuff in the bank but i'm willing to take a question this is from renee ludwig and renee thanks for asking the question usually we were just talking how the questions on here are usually not worth answering but uh smooth that, brains think that this one is she said Hey, Chad, I'd love to get an inside view from you of, one, how you read the Bible. It's written pretty strange, in my opinion. And two, how you incorporate the Bible readings in your daily life. Mm. Well, I mean, I can tell you what I do, but I want to tell you, Renee, that I don't think it's um, it's a one-size-fits-all thing. In other words, what I do might not work for you. And I know that for a fact because, you know, my wife, she studies the Bible much different than I do. Chile, earlier this year, spent about a year in, just in the book of Romans. Just one um, chapter. Yeah, yeah, just one chapter of Romans. He spent about a year there. I think so. he's still there, ain't you? <laughs> no. Um, so it's not a one-size-fits-all answer. I, I, I must say that, though, that the Bible is the strangest book ever written because if if you do a lot of times if you do try to read it and understand it and grasp it um before you've accepted christ it does seem like it's written very strangely and much of it won't make a lot of sense of what it's trying to tell you about god and about yourself so i think one of the big aspects of understanding the bible is being a servant or a slave to Christ, and the Holy Spirit actually reveals the message of the Bible to us um, because it is God's Word. And the Bible makes mention or, or, or mentions the text as the a, a living Word, right? So that's another thing that makes the Bible extremely interesting because you can spend your entire life reading it. It's it, there's no there's no other book that I know of that you can spend your entire life reading and still learn from it, take away from it, get stuff out of it. It's like most books, uh, every other book I've ever read. I mean, you could read it four or five times and you, you've got everything you can take from it. Well, for me personally, the Bible's not that way. I've been studying it now for 
um, 12, 11, 12 years, something like that. And I still love it every single day. How do I, how do I read the Bible? Um, I don't, I, I, I will generally pick a book in the Bible and it doesn't have to be in any specific order. Maybe, maybe if I'm going through something in my own life that, you know, I, I kind of know where to look, which book to look or to go and, and search and read that's pertaining to maybe a specific situation that I'm facing in my own life, and maybe I'll go there and spend some time in that chapter. But if there's nothing particular, um, I'll just choose a book in the Bible, and I'll just go through it and and read it bit by bit over the course of however long it takes. Generally, I read my Bible first thing in the morning before I do anything else. I think that is has been key for me personally because you are, you're, at least me, me, I'm my best in the morning before I get, you know, jump into the day and get all these things coming at me from different angles that are clouding my mind and clogging my thoughts. So I'm fresh in the morning. It's a fresh start. I've committed the best part of myself to the time that I spend studying scripture. So I start in the morning and I don't put any parameters when I read in the morning on how much I need to cover. Um, whatever book I'm in, I might just read a, a few verses. I may read a whole chapter. Very rarely do I read more than a chapter at a time in the Bible. Generally, that's enough. If you read an entire chapter and you really want to understand it, you're not even going to get through the chapter before you have to back up and do some more research into the context of what it is you're reading, and and uh, you can go as deep deep as you want to go on that. But that's how I read the Bible. And then also in the evenings, uh, Brooke and I, at night when we go to bed, we swap off and take turns. One night she'll read something from Scripture completely random, wherever she wants to go, and then the next night I'll do that. And again, that's just a short piece. It may only be two or three verses. And then we'll have a, a two-minute discussion about what we just read. And that's about it. So that's how I, that's how I read the Bible. Now, that's on a day-to-day -day basis. If there, if there is, again, if there's something very specific in my life that I'm dealing with or something that I really want to nail down or hammer down on, then I'll go and find that in the Bible, and I'll study that specifically. But other than that, on a day-to-day, -day, it's 20, 30 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the evening, and really trying to not go a long ways or read a bunch, but really trying to understand the fullness, including the context of what it is I'm actually reading. All right? So that's how I read the Bible. Thank you for that question. Yep. I hope it helps you in some way, shape, or form. Welcome to the 307 Podcast. Uh, if y'all don't know, we partnered with Shea Butler to make these knives. This is the Instinct. It's an awesome blade for an everyday carry. It's fixed blade. It's big enough to do some heavy-duty work with. 
You could easily kill someone with it if you needed to, which would be really cool if you got to kill someone, a bad person with a knife. Um, and it's top quality, man. It's also light enough to throw in a fanny pack, throw in a pocket, throw on your belt. You're not even going to know it's there. These are available now if you want one. You guys know I'm a knife snob. I hate cheap knives. Absolutely hate them. This is not a cheap knife. If you're like me and you want to buy something that's going to last, you get what you freaking pay for, man. If you want to buy something that's going to last and that's actually functional, go get you one of these. Quit going to Walmart and, buy, and buying a $20 Ozark Trail every three months. <laughs> Just go get you a good knife and you're going to be set. All right? I'll attach a link on where to get these in the show notes of this episode right here. Thank you, Shay, for bringing this project to life, man. While I'm on that, One Mile Out, the documentary, it's on Patreon now for all of our patrons. It'll be released on YouTube July 1st, if you guys are waiting to watch that. There have been a ton of people watch it on Patreon so far. Um, by the way, everyone that supports us on Patreon, well... You go ahead and pat yourself on the back right now because you're the only reason that this show even is able to happen. This is um this is a this has to be supported in some way, shape, or form. And let me tell you, uh Patreon, the people who choose to give back to 307 Project. You're a huge part of everything that we are able to do, and we really appreciate you. If you feel led to join us on Patreon, I'll put a link in the show notes of this episode. There's a bunch of cool stuff on there. A lot of people complain that we only do one podcast a week. Well, if you join Patreon, we have Resurrected over there. We have yeah. the Enough Said podcast. If you want more types of conversations and more, if you're, if you're on the road a lot and you listen to podcasts a lot, that's a good place to go. I was just talking with Blake about that this morning. Uh, two podcasts are put out every week, plus Resurrected. Yeah. So basically three. But yep. two every week and one three Sundays a month. But yeah, like two podcasts come out every week. So I think, and I think that Resurrected is one of the best shows that we do at 307 Project. It's so cool. Resurrected is so cool. And we're going to talk about what, we talked about on Resurrected here on the podcast in a minute. But it's so cool because it's a, it's a two-way conversation. It's a live call. So we present whatever the topic is. We talk about it. We teach from Scripture. And then we open the call up for anybody that's on to comment, ask questions, add to the conversation, whatever it may be. I think it's the best thing that we do. That, the most, I mean, I love our podcast here, but when you have that two-way interaction, it's an actual, like, you get feed immediate feedback. And there's so many smart people that are part of that community that are on Resurrected that can just add conversation, add to the conversation. Well, the problem with the podcast is it's talking at people. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know. Yeah. But whenever you have three of us in the room here or more, then, then that kind of can make it more of a conversation that we can just have. And then other people can listen to it. But if you just 
do something like Resurrected or a podcast and you're just talking at people, the, you know, and that's it, then it just becomes a strange thing of no interaction, no communication. You're just thinking kind of, you can become narrow thinking. Yeah. And, um, yeah, For sure. I, I think yeah, it's this, good to get out of that. I'll tell you what, the stuff you talk about on Resurrected, you better be squared away because yeah. there are some guys and girls on there that if you if you bring some stuff, especially in context of, of scripture, if you bring some wazoo stuff out, <laughs> they're gonna say, "Hey, buddy, let's talk. Let, let's let's actually talk about this a little bit, a little bit deeper." You know, so it's a great a great great place. It's my favorite thing that we do online. That's over on Patreon. All of those resurrected episodes are recorded. Uh, they're posted on the page. Going back, we've got nearly a hundred episodes now of resurrected so those are all recorded on there for you guys to listen to and our brother bean brought one of the best messages that i've ever heard the other night for those of you guys that don't know bean i feel bad for you if you want to get to know bean join us on resurrected because he taught last sunday blake was out of town and he's just an unbelievable man. I mean, he needs to be. And 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 in a way, because of what he does for a living, he is, you know, helping people and, and pouring into people on an everyday full-time basis. But it's like this dude brought this message, and it was I could have listened to this dude for two or three hours, man. It was unbelievable. And he he brought a message that I just think everyone needs to hear but he brought him at the same time it's one of those messages that everyone needs to hear but very few people want to listen to because there were a lot of people squirming in their seats man because you know what his message was on sexual immorality and specifically in context of pornography mm -hmm. and um, it was just, it was just so impactful, but so few, so few people have ears to hear this kind of message, right? Which is what made it so good. And I just wanted to summarize that. Of course, we don't have Bean on the show today, but I want to give you guys that are listening my takeaways from what Bean said because I think it's that important. He brought forth a statistic during that conversation, and I want to say it was 60... They, they, there are numerous studies and polls that show 65% of men within the body of Christ are watching pornography on a daily basis. And <clears throat> that's a... That's a astounding and when he when he said that he then turned to the people watching resurrection he said okay we have about 30 people on the call so i'm gonna go ahead and assume about 16 or 17 of you guys are watching pornography on a daily basis and i was like wow when you put it that way mm -hmm. you know it's pretty astounding and he brought this message out of second samuel chapter 11 and he started with reading the full chapter. It's when David sins 
with Bathsheba, right? And so one of the big takeaways I got, and I'm not going to go into, I cannot do nearly as well at portraying this message as he did. But one of the big things that really hit me came right from the first two verses, all right? And the way Bean put it was guard your leisure time. Guard your leisure time. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, man. Like, how much, and we talk about leisure time, that's the time that we spend scrolling on our phones. That's that, that, that those idle, those idle moments and, and days that we have in our lives where, where you're, you're in an environment, especially on this phone, scrolling through this phone, it's leisure time, and, but you're in an environment where really bad things can happen. And he's like, dude, guard your leisure time. Like, If you find yourself with nothing to do, get up, get out, and go find something to do that's productive. You know, whether that's going for a run, a walk, a bike ride, whether it's, you know, improving things about your, 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 your house or your, your, your family or your business, right? Find something to do. And in the first two verses here in chapter 11, it says, And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go forth to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all of Israel and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, and David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now, the funny thing here is we see King David. He's, he's basically sent everybody. He sent all of his, his men of war out to battle. Well, David's at a point in his life right here in chapter 11 where Bean called him the CEO. Everybody loved him. They wrote songs about him. He was held in extremely high regard. And now he's at this place in his life where he says, you know what? I've put in my time. Everybody loves me. I've, done, I've, I, I've, I've paid the man, right? I've been to battle. I've done all that. I'm just going to kick back now. I'm just going to stay home. I'm going to send it instead of leading from the front like a king should do, like this verse says at the, the time when kings go forth to battle, instead of leading from the front, here we see David. He's decided, ah, I'm going to send all, uh, I'm going to send all Joab and my armies out to battle, but I'm just going to stay here at the house, kick my heels up, take it easy because I've done my time, right? How many times have I? thought the same thing about myself. How many times have I, it, it, it's, 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 it's thousands of times I've found myself in a position where I ask myself, why the crap am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, I've done my time, man. I don't need to make money. I, I don't need to do hard things. I've paid the man. I ask myself that all the time. Why ain't I just kicking back, man? Freaking polishing the wheels on my Land Cruiser, right? Huh. 
Well, this led David to a pretty bad scenario. In verse 2, it says, And it came to pass in the evening that David arose from his bed. Joker's laying in his bed in the evening. And he walked out on the roof to kick his heels up, right? Walked out on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. He looked over there and saw Bathsheba. She was butt naked over there, taking a bath. And that woman was very beautiful, the Bible says. And David looked over there in his leisure time while he was kicking his heels up. He sent everybody off to do the work. He looked over there and he saw that naked woman over there taking the bath and she was beautiful. <laughs> and guess what? He didn't say, oh crap, there's a naked woman over there. I need to go back in the house. I don't need to stare at that, right? No, he kept looking. He kept looking. How many times have I been scrolling Instagram and this daggone picture of this woman just pops up that's half naked, flaunting her body? How many times do you stop the scroll and you, and you look at it a little longer than you know you should look at it? Instead of, instead of being like, holy crap, I know I don't need to be looking at that, right? But you stop, and you look at it a little longer than you should be looking at it. That's what David did. And uh, it, got, it, it got him in a real bind, son. Guard your leisure time. The other thing here, the, the, the progression, if we read through this chapter, Bean said, we all have a spouse in life that we can never be separated from. This, this spouse knows everything about you, knows all the chinks in your armor, knows all the things that you love the most, knows everything about you. And I was wondering, what is this guy talking about? Who is this, who is this spouse that we can never be separated from? It, it'll be with us until the day that we die. I kept thinking, who's he talking about? That spouse is temptation. You will never be separated from temptation in your life, right? And it knows every little hole to work itself into. Temptation leads to transgression, this is what happened to David. The temptation to behold this naked woman that then he later finds out is married. But he, he, he looked too long. He couldn't help it. Any, it, it at that point, he, he didn't care if she was married or not. And it led to transgression. Transgression leads to tragedy in your life. Every single time. If you don't learn how to battle against and, and gain victory through Christ over the temptation, you will, in fact, eventually engage in a transgression that will lead to tragedy in your life. It will cost you everything. 
And in the context of sexual immorality, we're talking about adultery. We're talking about affairs, and this is for men and women. We're talking about even as deep as homosexuality, all of these things, pedophilia, this trans, these, these, this, these sexually immoral transgressions will eventually lead you down a path to where it will create tragedy in your life and you will lose everything to include your spouse, your reputation, for many of you, your worldly possessions, you'll lose everything. And I thought, wow, this is exactly what happened to David. It led him to tragedy. This was something... I think now there are many forms of transgression. There are many forms of temptation. There are many forms of transgression. I think the reason being hammered so hard on the sexual immorality is because it has probably the ultimate, it's probably the ultimate transgression right now in our society that has a foothold on humanity. I mean, it, it, it is working its way in and it is destroying the fabric of societies, cultures, countries, and, and families, humanity itself. And it's, it's directly linked to a, to a demon. And being described watching or viewing pornography as kissing the feet of the demon of sexual immorality. You are literally kissing the feet of a demon when you behold these images. And it's destroying you. It's destroying you. And he went on... And we won't go... If you're somebody that's struggling... By the way, I've struggled with this. I have been a sexually immoral person for years and years of my life. I can't tell you how many women that I fooled around with or slept with that <clears throat> I had no business being with, right? I can't tell you how many times I viewed pornography before I came to know Christ and, and he gave me victory over, over that. I say victory, the temptation is always still there. But I have some tools now to combat that temptation, right? So I've struggled with all this. And if you're somebody that, that is struggling with this, you know, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole of, of every option that you, uh, that you can, can do to overcome it. Now, Bean gave a great example because we did have someone who had the courage to say, hey, I'm struggling with this on Resurrected. Bean said, look, man, he didn't sugarcoat it. He said, look, man, there's only one way that, you, that, that you're going to overcome this. He's like, you're going to have to get really aggressive, dude. Like, you're going to have to get really aggressive. You're going to have to have some people on your side that you're accountable to, that know everything that you're doing online, that you're going to have to be honest with, and you're going to have to get really aggressive to overcome this because it is powerful. And he went on to, he left us with a very, very unique 
perspective. And it revolves around our ability to combat temptation in and of ourselves. The temptation that leads to the transgression that eventually destroys you. And I think in the we see it especially in men's groups. We see a lot of talk around how strong we are. Be strong, right? I'm a warrior. I'm strong. We see that a lot in men's groups. Bean left us with a really, really interesting perspective. He said, you are weak. You are weak. Always remember that you are weak. As a matter of fact, you are so weak in your ability to overcome temptation, to overcome transgression. You are so incapable You are so freaking weak that God himself had to become flesh in order to compensate for your weakness, your inability to overcome temptation and transgression. He had to become flesh and die. That was the only way because ultimately you are weak. Ultimately, if you live long enough, Bean put it this way, he said an interesting prayer at the end. He, he, he said this prayer and he said, God, please don't allow me to commit the transgression that leads to tragedy in my life. He said, take my life before I do that, please, God. Kill me. Slay me before I do that because it's inevitable that I will do that. And I think it's it's good to get a reality check into how weak we humans actually are. And I read this in 2 Corinthians as I was thinking through how weak we are. Paul is talking about in 2 Corinthians, this is chapter 12, this thorn in his flesh, that he's begging the Lord to to take this thorn in his flesh away. And how does the Lord God respond? He responded to Paul and said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is made perfect in the fact that we are weak and incapable. If you can understand that, Paul goes on to say more gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches in necessities in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Get you some of that, man. I just thought it was a profound, and that was the um, that was the very brief synopsis of everything that that he covered 
you guys on YouTube, you probably don't have ears to hear that, do you? This isn't coming from a, a place of, of being judgmental. This isn't coming from a place of, of criticizing people for, for succumbing to temptation. This is calling out this demon of sexual immorality that has a stronghold over humanity right now, calling it into the light and saying, we got, we got to have a conversation about this because it's, it's ugly. You know, and since I heard um, Bean talk on this, I've been really interested because I personally know two young men who have abstained from sexual immorality. And I've always been really, really just in awe of, of it. One is Gage Grizzle, and the other is Chili. And I'm like, I've just been in awe of it. And I, I think I think that people need to know that it is actually possible. You know what I mean? But I wanted to get Chili's perspective on this conversation because I've been wondering because I know he's fought this battle. Well, I would, I would have to disagree with you that in saying that I have completely abstained from sexual immorality because while it's true that I have... Uh, I have never done anything physical, physically, sexually immoral. Uh, if if you even look at a woman with lust, it's yeah, you're right. So you're right. Uh, I would disagree that I have. But how have you? I mean, in fighting in in fighting against temptation, like. How have you been able to, you know, how have you been able to maintain your sexual purity and not go into those sexually immoral relationships? Like, do you just like, you're just like, no, I'm not even going to look at it. I'm not going to, I mean, how have you been able to do that? Like, what are tools, people who are struggling for this, what advice would you give? As usual, I don't know that I that I would have advice. I mean, I'm not as as eloquent as you at uh, that those types of things, and I just don't like it. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I I truly don't. If I had something to give, I, I would. Um, you know, I I was when I grew up. Uh, you would listen to preachers or teachers in school. I went to a Christian school, or or you know, youth pastor types or, or whoever, and they would want to talk about this a lot. And I remember being young and just being like, oh, here we go again, another conversation about this crap. Like, it's never even been, like, I was just like, God, why are they constantly talking about this? Constantly. Yeah. 
And then as I got older, the same thing. I was still just kind of like, man, is that all anybody talks about? But it's because of how much struggle there is with it. Well, see, what when I was coming up in school and stuff, it wasn't talked about much. Okay. As a matter of fact, it was more socially acceptable to be engaged as a as yeah. a young man or young woman. It was more acceptable to be engaged in in sexually immoral relationships. I think That's pu- public school. Yeah, I think part of that was my upbringing in church in a Christian school. I mean, that's where it was talked about a lot. So, yeah. But I just remember, I mean, I was constantly just like, are we seriously talking about that again? I mean, like, I don't, what do you, what's the point? I mean, just because I'd never, you know, I didn't struggle with it as a young teenager when all that conversation got started. And when, you know, and that, I kept that mentality throughout up to now. But, but I've realized that it's because of how much people struggle with that. And how destructive it is. Right. It's actually like the, the, it's, it's like the major thing that the Bible calls out over and over and over and over again. It's, it's evident how destructive it is, but literally, I mean, I didn't, until you get older and more aware of the world, I, I didn't know why it was talked about because I didn't, I assumed everyone, I assumed nobody struggled with it just because that's how I was, you know? Yeah. Uh, but no, I don't. I, I I can only attribute it to just how I was brought up. I mean, that just I I've always wanted to do good and be good, and I was under the. I mean, I believed that that was anything even approaching that was was wrong. And, and I didn't want to do it. And, uh, so you just made a hard decision. Like, this I, is the way I'm going. I, you know, I don't, I just don't know how, how, how hard it even was. I, I don't, I don't think it was difficult. I, I just, I, I don't, to, to me, basically, if, if you look at it and you say, okay, is this a good thing to do? Is this the right thing to do? And your answer comes back, no. Well, then then that's that's it. And for someone that says, well, well, clearly you're not tempted as much as I am or you don't understand or whatever, it's like it doesn't matter how tempted I am or not. It, it, the, the, it, it, I just decided whether this is right or wrong. I mean, I didn't decide, but I mean, is this right or wrong? Once that's answered, it doesn't matter how tempted you are or not. It's not an option. I don't, I don't know how to give any (laughs) tips or conversational people. And, you know, and, and like you said, I mean, not, I don't want this to be portrayed as like, I'm not, I'm some perfect person who's never done anything sexually immoral. If you, I mean, if you count it the same, then I have certainly looked at a woman with lust before. I've seen things that I should not have seen. I've looked at, I mean, like, that's that that's the same thing, essentially. So yeah. I have, you know, but I don't know. I mean, it's just like, it comes, everything comes down to, are you going to, are you going to do what you're supposed to do or not? 
<laughs> that's really what it comes hmm. down to. I mean, I don't, and, and all the struggle and this and that, and I'm addicted to this and you get, yeah, I hear all that, but it's, are you going to do it or not? Uh, it's up to that's you. That's real, man. It's up to you. Are that's you, are you going to do it or not? Is it an option to you or not? Yeah. I mean, point blank. There is no tip. The tip is to not do it. Everyone wants to know how not to do it. How not to do it. How, how do you, ha- well, the how is don't do it. You know how to not do it. You're not doing it right now. Do that more. Yeah. You know how to not do it. Quit asking people for tips. Like you don't, you know how to not do it. I mean, like you don't, if you don't do it 24 seven, then you, you can't convince me. You don't know how to not partake in something. Right. Yeah. So think about yourself in that moment and that situation when you're not doing it and go, well, yeah, I could just do more of that. I could fill my mind with good things. Yeah. Right. No, that's real, man. That's real. And you know, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, I've wondered too, in, in this, in context of this conversation, if a lot of the reason, a lot of the reason why so many people are engaged in, you know, whether it's sexual sexual morality or any other transgression that's kind of perpetual, you know, like I wonder if why why it's not so prevalent in society today is it. it to me, it's tied to, in some way, shape, or form, the fact that things are so easy. Yes, you're bombarded with it. Yes, and that, but, but, but even more so that I mean it in a in the sense of we have too much leisure time. We have we have too much leisure time, like, and that's when that's that's when you're you're you you have this compulsive, you know, um you know, desire to do this thing, but it, it, cause you said a key word there. It's like, you know how not to do it. So don't do it and fill your time with good things, right? Productive things, good things, good content, fill, fill your time with that. That is essentially guarding your leisure. In other words, when there's space, which we living in a first world country here, we have space. No matter how busy you think you are, you're not having to go out here and worry about hunting up your next stinking meal because you're going to starve to death if you don't. Like, you have all of this leisure in your life, and instead of using it for productive things, you're getting sucked down these freaking holes, man. Well, I think there's also two groups of people. There's there's two groups of people that partake in any form of sexual immorality, and there's the people that believe it to be wrong, and the people that oh well, no, we're, we're talking this right now in the context of the body of Christ. Right, viewing right. pornography is not even taboo whatsoever right. outside of the body of right. Christ. Well, that's what I was going to say. If you don't yeah. even think it's wrong, well, then I don't know. I mean, those people, you know, they're just going to you know they're going to do it, but they don't even view it as a struggle. Or exactly. But if you do then everything I said applies to that. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's kind of the reverse of when you're doing something hard, like running and you want to stop people, you know, want to stop. And then you 
resist that desire to stop. You know, people, everybody on the rock course wanted to sit down, right? Yeah. But they resisted that, that temptation and that urge for 24 hours. It's really just the reverse of that. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not doing something that you want to do. And, and you know how I think ultimately you just, you want to do good more than you want to do whatever is tempting you, right? You want to, that desire has to be greater. Yeah, but we're weak, man, because, well, I, I mean, I can just use my own self for an example. When I was engaged in, in a sexually immoral lifestyle, like, yeah, I, I had sense enough to know that what I was doing was wrong. Um, but there again, it may have came down to, I didn't want to do what was right. Yeah. I mean, you enough, but I didn't, I don't know that I would have had the power to completely turn away from that lifestyle had it not been for the, the Holy Spirit, me receiving the Holy Spirit of Christ and, and the Holy Spirit of Christ changing my desires, changing. Your desires have to change. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think essentially that's what I'm getting at. That 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 is what changed my, totally reworked my desires in life. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't quite know exactly how you manipulate your desires just at your own whim. Yeah, but, but, that's the hard part, right? But if, when your desire to be, good i mean that's really the best word to use i mean and when that becomes stronger than anything it's not hard for and for me that came from accepting christ yeah i mean i don't but so I, don't, I, I didn't change my desires in, like by my own will right they were they actually that came about for me personally through accepting christ so yeah. so that's the problem for people is they don't desire to do good to to live a righteous life more than they desire the to please their flesh. That's just what it comes down to. And I can't give somebody like endless tips on like I said how you just change your desires at whim, yeah. but uh that's what it boils down to. You don't and you, you can't convince me otherwise. You don't desire righteousness more than you desire to please your flesh. And that's really weak. Yep. That's real, man. That you, Yeah, so. You got anything to add, Blake? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know. That, Have we lost everyone on YouTube? No, a lot of people are, <laughs> no, a lot of people like this. A lot of people are commenting good stuff. So, but, you know, once your desire changes, that still doesn't, like you said earlier, do away with the temptation. And, you know, if there, if there's anything that is true about the, uh, I guess amount of temptation that you receive from me in my life, it's always how close that, like, you know, you have yourself and then you have your relationship with God and the closer you are really the less you might have that temptation, but the less, um, I guess it's less enticing the closer you are with God because you recognize that so quick. Your desires uh, are in alignment. Yeah. But the, the, the few days you stop reading your Bible and, and you stop, praying and doing all the things you know are right, then that gap starts to open up. Christ is steady, straight down the center, and here you are veering off to the side. 
and that opens up that gap for more things to come in and and for you to you know oh well that was just a little slip well that's okay or or whatever you know you don't recognize as fast as you do when you're right in alignment with Christ and in the Bible it it speaks very very specifically about sexual immorality in many places but one is 1 Corinthians chapter 6 18 and it says flee sexual immorality so that's like Chili's talking about like it's wrong don't do it flee from it when you have that temptation flee from it don't stay there and try to fight the urge or fight the the or, battle or, or, or look look just uh, let me just look a yeah. little closer at that and then I'll go on past it yeah this is the only I mean I may be wrong in saying this but this is the only place that I know of that it says to flee mm-hmm. right flee sexual immorality every sin that a man does is outside the body but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body yep or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have from God and you are not your own for you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which is which are God's. And so you read that and you think this is the only sin that defiles the body and that your body is a gift from God and therefore you should glorify God in your body. And that is doing just the opposite. So this tells us some very key things here to me about sexual immorality. Flee from it. I mean, that's you want the tip, you want the trick, you want to know the truth, what the Bible says, flee from it. Just totally go away from it. And when I picture when I picture what I'm doing when I'm fleeing from something, it means that I'm turned the other direction and and beeline at a full sprint. Yeah, like away just, from that son of a gun. You saw something was bad and that's liable to get you, and you got to get out of there. I'm talking about flee from it, son. Yeah. But any sin with the uh, with the flesh is preceded by a faltering in the mind and i don't that that's also talking about fleeing from the mind as well like like when something enters your mind yeah that it's talking about fleeing from that just the same Mm -hmm. well yeah because that's sexual immorality right Right. yeah and and that will and and what people don't understand is the a lot of people even like me who ha- who who may boast about the fact that they've never faltered physically may may totally forget what their mind has done and what they've what their mind has lingered on and what they've allowed it to linger on and mess around with like that will always proceed uh you know a a a physical giving in to the flesh. So that's people don't, I don't think people guard their minds to the level that, that they need to as well when they're saying that they struggle with it. Yeah. You know, with a physical sexual immorality, they're not. And that could go that highlighted section right there. And that could go back to beans thing about, so you just mentioned guard your mind, Chili. That could go back to beans thing where he said, Hey man, you're going to have to get aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. That means aggressively guarding your mind too. Yeah. Yeah. What was you wanting you want me to, to read, read this? Yeah. Read it. Romans 12, one and, uh, two. and two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, 
which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Exactly. So we talk about the mind, right, and how to, you know, we need to guard our mind, guard our thoughts. Well, that tells you right there, don't be conformed to the ways of this world, which is pornography, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, how do you renew your mind? By feeding it good things like the Bible, being around good people. You talked about uh, accountability, being told to guy, you're going to have to have some people that know some stuff about you. You're going to have to have some people that live on a level that doesn't tolerate looking at those kind of things, that's willing to hear you out and not judge you for it. And you that's how that's how you renew your mind, mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. feeding it good things that are true. Mm-hmm. And so they talked about presenting your body holy, uh, a holy, acceptable. Is that holy and acceptable? They just told us here in 1 Corinthians that you're defiling your body by looking at these things. Is that presenting your body as holy and acceptable to God? No. Mm-hmm. So that goes right along with guarding your mind. So. Yeah, and you know, you said something earlier, Blake, that tied right back into the the scripture I read in Second Corinthians. You said drawing closer to God, right? So you know, and that's through that's through you know seeking Him, and and it just made me think. Well, when, when, and how do we draw closer to God? It's when we recognize our own weakness. Yeah, it's when it's when we literally recognize and acknowledge our own weakness. And that's what Paul was talking about yeah, in the verse the, I read in 2 Corinthians. In my weakness, Christ is made is shown to be strong, right? Because when and that was I think the whole point of of being calling us every one of us out for the fact that we are completely incapable that we are weak is because we cannot draw close to God until we acknowledge in a real way how weak we truly are. Yeah. And so that has to happen. That's an essential step. I think it's so dangerous to to sit here and talk about being this warrior and this strong and this that, that's freaking dangerous, man. No, man, you are weak. I'm weak as crap. Well, the only strength that you have, you have to reckon, you do have great strength within you, but it's not you. It's the strength of, of God, of the Holy Spirit. Exactly. And so, yes, you know, the people, I think people do take that out of context. They, 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 in the men's group type, they say, you're a warrior, you know, and, and, they start. They they start to believe the it, the if you, if it was portrayed properly, yes. But they start to believe those things about themselves, and yep. they forget how weak they actually are. Yeah, and then that opens up the gap, right? Yep. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I think the other beautiful thing about this call was uh, the way it went, and the the way well the way we do here on on the podcast, man. I think that we pretty regularly. Uh, you know, talk about our own struggles and talk about things that, that we're dealing with, right? And, um, you know, in in terms of in terms of a conversation like we're having here about the topic of sexual sexual immorality, if you come, if you're part of a local congregation and you meet at a church building and you come to, you know, the 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 brothers and sisters there at the church and you say, hey man. 
I, I, I can't stop. I, I, I don't know how to stop this, but, you know, I'm addicted to sex or I'm addicted to porn or I can't stop doing this. Man, those a lot of times, them people are going to black sheep you, son. Yeah, they could. They're going to black sheep you, right? Well, they got all kinds of skeletons in their closet, too. But that call was such a beautiful example of how the body of Christ is actually supposed to operate, how we as brothers and sisters acknowledge the fact that we are weak, um, that we're all struggling with temptation, we're all, we're all engaged in some form of transgression, that we can come to one another with whatever it is we're going through in our lives, that we can be open about it and that we can then help one another through the power of Christ uh, not we can help each other not destroy ourselves yeah. essentially it's like it, it, it's it's what should be happening at every church building across the entire world it's how this there's the meetings of the body of Christ should be a two-way conversation and it should be a building up of one another a helping one another. Which leads me into my next thing I wanted to talk about is helping others. I did a little Instagram story the other day and I talked about how I talked about how you know the last month or so but you know it has to do with a lot of different things but I've just felt a little bit empty like I didn't have a lot to give of myself and yesterday I spent like hours just reflecting on all the people who have helped me over the course of the last month and it just renewed my my desire to go forth and and use my gifts to continue helping others right through 307 project and everything that we do the podcast the the training the um the even Instagram posts that I make, like I, you, you wonder why I haven't been posting much on social media, you know, other than clips that Drake's given me about the documentary. Cause those are, those are just like pre-made, right? I've been posting a lot. Cause I don't feel I'm, I mean, when, when you, when you serve people on a regular basis, like eventually there's a time that you're going to feel a little empty yourself. And I've been feeling that, and yesterday, just reflecting on all the people that have come alongside me and helped me over the last month, just like really renewed my strength and my desire to uh, to go out and and continue doing what I've been called to do. And you know, it's just been unbelievable when I sat down and really had time to think about how Chili, Blake, and James and Brooke and Jennifer came alongside me and served me at Coca Dona 250 and just I mean just helped me achieve my goal in in this this selfless act of service um how I've had we've had Barbell and Hoist that had just stepped in and, and created that whole documentary and and just just they didn't have to do that they they just did it man and now we have this thing to share with you guys and and, um, you know, Justin Sheely the other day came by my house, drove all the way out of my house to set my bike up for me. He didn't want nothing, nothing in return. You guys didn't want nothing in return for coming out and helping me achieve my goal out at Cocodona. Um, I sent my Land Cruiser out to this place, TLC 4x4. 
I barely had enough budget to get this thing painted. These jokers have tore this truck all down to the bare metal. They're doing like they're doing like thirty, forty thousand dollars worth of work on this truck. I can't afford that. I texted the guy yesterday. I said, "Hey, man, I don't know what to say about this, but like, I don't know how to thank you, but like, I, I recognize that what you're doing far exceeds my budget." You know what the dude messaged back? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And, man, that made me feel so good, dude. Like, when I just thought about you guys and thought about everybody that's just, over the last month especially, just just helping me in these huge ways that I never would have asked for, never would have expected, don't want anything in return, Man, it just got me fired up, dude. That's why that's the reason I that's a big reason why I wanted the podcast today to be meaningful conversation. Yeah. And a lot of you guys like our banter and and I like our banter too and our fun episodes. I like those too, but like I wanted today's podcast to hopefully maybe have something in it that would legitimately help somebody because I have spent time thinking about how much I've been helped well, recently. And, you know, it's a, I don't think people actually realize it, but a lot of people don't want, like, you know, they think, oh, well, I don't want this person to help me because it's going to be a burden to them, or I don't want to take money from this person because it's going to be a burden. But, you know, you don't always have to be giving something because for certain people, and I'm one of those people, I would rather serve somebody than somebody serve me. Like, so for me to go help you at the race, like, that was... I mean, that really did fill me up because that is, I just like to serve. I, I like to do things for people. If if I'm, now I don't want to just go do it frivolously. If I'm like, I'm not really needed, I'm just going to go stand there. That doesn't fill me up. But if I'm actually needed, if someone actually wants and needs the things that I have, then for me to go help them is, a. I mean, I like that. I would much rather do that than for me to go run a race and somebody crew me. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't like that. I well, that's going happen. <laughs> yeah, it will. But, you know, and then I have to remind myself of that same thing I just said, is that it's not burden because there's other people that are like me that also want to serve. So in those moments that you feel that way, that's good because it's allowing other people to live out their purpose and serving you, which is a blessing to them. And, and, and so it just it works both ways, you know. Well, the thing uh, I think the reason it strikes me so much is because I'm opposite of you, Blake. I'm not wired to serve. Yeah, I'm wired to to do right. Like I'm, I, I would rather go run the race than than crew somebody. So I'm not naturally wired to serve. Gator saw here. He asked, "Would Blake wash feet?" Wish he would answer that because that speaks. Gator saw I pulled Chad's socks off of his feet yeah. after about a hundred miles and wiped them off with a uh, with a wet wipe and then slathered some salty britches on there. So I have washed some feet. Yeah, that, some he, that ain't feet. the first time he's washed my feet at a race. <laughs> so yeah, he will. But I'm not wired to serve. So, but the interesting thing is, is my whole life has essentially been. Um, my whole adult life has been in some sort of service. Now, whether that's in the military or whether it's trying to serve people through the podcast, through um, things that I think about and post on social media, whether it's through 
uh, a training experience now. It's like my my whole life has, for some some how I don't know how it happened, but it's been largely about service or pouring into others. But I'm not wired for that. So when I do that, it really drains me, right? It really drains me, like to a uh, to on a on a really impactful scale. So the lesson for me was really cool though, because it made me realize really for the first time that when you serve someone else or you do, you do something good for someone else, the results of that action don't stop right there. When you serve other people or you do, you have the ability and you take the time to do something good for someone else that is hopefully going to then inspire people to want to go and do something good for someone that they come in contact with in their life, right? So it, it, it should, not in every situation, because some people are just totally selfish, but in a lot of situations, doing something good for, for another person is actually going to just continuously propagate itself on and on and on and and there's no telling how far it can go but recognizing that i recognized it in myself at the fact that i was feeling empty but the fact that these men and these companies and these people who have chosen to serve me actually filled me back up and inspired me to go out and serve others again better um, than i have in the past and so it propagates itself. And I think it's important to recognize that and know that if you do something good for someone, it doesn't it likely won't just end with that act of service that you did. It will likely continue on. And that's freaking powerful, man. Yeah, and the key to that is too, you can't go do it with the expectation for return or or even expectation for credit. I mean, if you go do something for somebody, if you go, sir, if you're, you know, you're doing that stuff, you can't expect credit or anything in return or it doesn't work. At that point, it's just a transaction. Like, hey, I did a good job for you. Now you tell me thanks and you do something for me or you go highlight, you know, whatever it is like that. that, You can't expect that. And it just doesn't work that way. Because then it's a business. Then it's it's transactional. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I think that's important to know because a lot of people will do things for other people acting like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do this um, selfless act for this person, but secretly they want to be praised for it or secretly they want something from that person they're doing it for and they're just trying to work up to the point that they will give it to them, you know? Yep. Yep. Chili, you like serving people, man. I do. Yeah. It doesn't empty you out quite like it does me. <laughs> I see you, boy. I don't know about that. Well, those are the topics I wanted to cover today. Thank you, Bean, for inspiring this conversation. I wish we would have had you on the podcast today so that you could have uh, added to it. But uh, we did the best we could. I just thought it was something that needed to be talked about on a broader platform and not just left kind of right there on on uh, Patreon and Resurrected. 
because I think it's uh, extremely important to at least all we did was scratch the surface on these conversations. But I appreciate that, brother. I want to thank Brooks Cobb. I'm sure you'll listen to this, Brooks. Look what Brooks Cobb sent me. <laughs> this is a this is a gimbal for my cell phone. Now, what are you going to do with that? Well, he actually sent it to me, but Brooks, I think <laughs> I'm going to let Chad use it. I do really appreciate you sending that out. I think it's going to be a tool to get Chad to uh, get you guys some more YouTube content. So Chili wants me to start doing some more YouTube videos. Yep. Uh, and I've got me a gimbal here now to do it with. On you know the Land Cruiser, time travel, the the, uh, the CIA, you know all that. Just when something comes in my mind. Yeah. 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 Doesn't need any editing. I can just go aliens. Up, upload it right to YouTube. Book of Matthew. Et cetera, okay. et cetera. Yeah. So if. I told Chili I would start doing that. So if I start putting out more YouTube videos for you guys, you better watch them. Uh, <laughs> y'all, y'all can thank Brooks Cobb, Brooks Cobb for that. Yep. Because I wouldn't actually do it if it wasn't for this gimbal. That's gonna work. But now I feel inspired to do it. Yep. All right. He just commented. He's on here. Is he really? He said, "Let him have at it, son." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and congratulations to Eric for winning Mid-State Mile. Good job, man. You put in a lot of work. You've been at that race for four or five years now. Eric Keenley. Yep, Eric. Good job winning that. Eric texted me earlier today mm. and uh, asked me when, when I'm going to come back and run that race. Man, there's just so much that I want to experience. There's so much that I want to do. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get Chili to ride this uh what's it called? Tour divide. Don't think that putting that out there like that's gonna make me I'm, do it. I'm trying to get Chili to ride the tour divide. Next me year. and Chili's gonna ride that tour divide yeah, on I the, think me and Blake might that do Polaris that. Razor. <laughs> There's so many things that I wanna do, man. And uh not a lot of time to do it. Summers go by quick. Yeah. Holy smokes. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. We love you guys. Enough said.